Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. This is episode 80. We're switching things up and we're going after some fresh talent. Some of the young guns that are out there that are doing things. Uh, I had a listener on Facebook start a conversation with me and sent me a bunch of pictures of things that they're doing in regards to building a motor. And it was he was building a Type 4 motor, so it piqued my interest. And now, if you guys are working on something interesting and doing some highly detailed stuff out there, send me some info at builtletstalkdubs.com or hit me up on Facebook. And if it's interesting enough and there's enough cool content there... I'll reach out to you. We'll do a podcast on it. This hobby is put together by all individuals that start out working on whether it's engines, you know, uh, bodywork, paint, suspension, whatever they're doing. It's a homegrown hobby. And a lot of these guys start at home. Some of their work pursuits bleed through into what they do. Like we found out last week with Kevin Nagatani, uh, the industrial engineer that uh, owns Project Therapy. And so we got him on. And so what we're starting to do besides getting some of the legends in the industry, we're also getting some of the people that are out there doing new and cool things. So look forward to more of that. And if you're doing something new and doing something cool and you join the podcast and you maybe want to come on a podcast and talk about what you're doing, send me some information, give me some detail on what you're doing, and we'll possibly get you on here. But first, let's have a message from our sponsor. Tired of the same old stuff for your VW? Check out Ross Wolf. They have a variety of accessories for your VW. Gas tank clamps, fender washer kits, IDA jet covers, distributor clamps, velocity stacks, and body to pan kits, all constructed of T6 6061 aluminum, anodized in a variety of colors. One of the coolest pieces that I personally like is their locking dipstick. Jason and Jared started this company to fill the void in the VW parts industry where customers receive the service they deserve. Where did the name Ross Wolf come from? Well, check out rosswolf.com to read about a man whose commitment to performance was only matched by his dedication to quality parts. To check out more, go to rosswolf.com and check back often for an always expanding catalog. That's rosswolf.com. R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. Rosswolf.com. So support those that support Let's Talk Dubs podcast. There's been a lot of guys out there supporting the podcast and I really appreciate all the purchases to help fund the podcast and also get you some cool fresh gear to help promote Let's Talk Dubs. Um, we've got some shout outs here starting with Peter Clucky, Ryan Corno. Uh, Mark Lasky, Mike and Natalie Young, Josh Lambeth, Josh Langley, David Ruiz, and from all the way from New Zealand, uh, Jeremy Longman. And don't forget George T., my bro, stepped up. Uh, he gets free shirts anyway, but he bought some because he's, he's a player like that, supports. And uh, Mitch Meyer. So those are some of the people that support us this last couple of weeks. Um, if you want to support us, go to letstalkdubs.com, pick up some gear, and also look fly and fresh in your new VW gear. So. If you click on the details section, there'll be a link to the podcast webpage that's got the blog pictures of all the stuff that Tabari Andrade was sending me. Uh, so you guys can follow along, check that out. Also, if you have a browser open, you're cruising Facebook, you're going to go on down the rabbit hole of checking out a bunch of different people all around the world, people that he's done research with, people that he's checked out their stuff, and a lot of new stuff that you can learn in this podcast. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it with... Tabari Andrade on Let's Talk Dubs. All right, on today's show, um, 
we're doing something a little bit different today and we've got a lot of listeners out there and a lot of you guys that are listening to this podcast are doing things and kind of the up and comers of, you know, doing stuff at home and, and really taking things to another level. And I wanted to, you know, when I get some people reach out to me on the podcast at times, they'll reach out to me and sometimes send me some photographs and some things to that extent. And, and, and I got a young man on the podcast today, young man, cause he's younger than me. Um, I got him on the podcast today. He sent me some photos through Messenger. We were talking back and forth, and he he sparked my interest because, you know, when you start talking type fours, that's my language. And, uh, you know, he sent me some pictures. He's doing some really interesting stuff. And so I wanted to get him on the podcast and and, and do a little in-depth, in-depth and up close about some things that he's doing because maybe some of you guys are interested in what's happening out there, and, and it's my job to bring it to you. So on today's podcast, I've got Tabari Andrade, and he's out of Los Angeles, California, and he uh, he sent me some pictures of some Type 4 stuff that he's doing, and today we're going to welcome him to the show. Tabari, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how's it going? So you sent me, like I said earlier in the, in the lead-up, you sent me a bunch of stuff on uh, Messenger, and you know we just kind of started talking back and forth, and then I just figured I'd follow it up with a phone call later just to kind of get, get a little more detail of what you're doing, and then I thought, you know what, let's do a podcast, and and get uh, and get some of your story on here, and and kind of walk people through that because you know we're we're all kind of all us VW guys are all cut from the same cloth really, and we're the the inquisitive, determined, uh, you know, kind of individuals that like to get our hands on our cars and do some stuff. And and you've taken your stuff to another level. So, uh, Tabari, let's first start with kind of your background and how you got into VWs and, and really what your VW story is. Uh, okay. All right. Well, background, um, my, my pop is a mechanic. Uh, he, he wasn't a formally taught mechanic or anything, but yeah, he, he taught me how to ranch a little bit. Uh, my friend, uh, actually told me about a VW that was for sale, uh, 500 bucks just, uh, just up the street. So we went and checked it out. And, uh, ever since then, yeah, like I remember as soon as I brought that bug home, it was a, I think it was a 71 super. Right. As soon as I brought it home, um, I I went down to 7-Eleven and picked up uh, the first VW issue that that, that, that I could, and uh, yeah, and just started seeing what was out there and what was available, and automatically I went toward engines. Uh, yeah, it, I don't know something about the engines just really uh, really got me excited about it. Um, yeah, so so uh, yeah, after that, I just uh, I, I built my first engine about six months in. Uh, nothing was the matter with the original one, but I just wanted something different. So I built a 1641 in my garage with that red uh, Volkswagen rebuild book, and uh, it ran great, and I had fun with it. And then, yeah, I just kept on tinkering and building bigger and bigger. And, now, and uh, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes and stuff, but, yeah, that, that's, that's how I kind of got into it. And then you currently in your day job now, it's a little bit tied to automotive a little bit to some degree? Uh, yeah, we're, uh, it's a, a military, like an aerospace, uh, kind of company where, where we contract with some of the larger, uh, businesses like GDLS, uh, Northrop Grumman, uh, th- those large kind of aerospace industries. And, uh, yeah, we make ground vehicle APUs and air conditioning systems, things like that. So you're, you're, you're a real, uh, a hands-on kind of guy and your, your background's always been a little, little bit hands-on? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's always been hands-on, pretty much. Um, uh, and, and I used to actually 
uh, be a traveling mechanic when, when I didn't have a, like a normal job. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So I, I worked on just Volkswagens and I would just travel all around and, uh, not, not really far, but you know, up to 50 miles and in, in all directions and, and work on random people's cars. They would call me up, uh, just word of mouth, that kind of thing. And nice. so I started getting familiar with a lot of different parts. And, uh, but yeah, always my focus has been engines. I would always try to pull any customers into, you know, maybe doing something different with their engine. And, and that's how I, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's how I got where I am. And so you're, so for you, a lot of people have a tough time with, you know, the, just taking that first step and starting to rebuild their motors and, and going through that. I mean, for you, did you have a little bit of that fear in the beginning or were you just, you just jumped right in with, uh, with no fear? I mean, you, you obviously had the book and, and having the original, you know, how to hot rod your VW or, you know, you're rebuilding your VW engine book when you have something like that. I mean, are, are you just a methodical kind of guy and you follow step by step or you just wanted yeah. to take the risk and see what you could do? Yeah. You know, uh, in, in retrospect, I probably made a lot of mistakes with that engine, but mm-hmm. Ignorance is bliss, man. I was pushing through it, and it turned out to be a great engine. <laughs> I didn't leak at all. It ran well. Like I didn't really have any issues with it. It was really mild. I think uh, I uh, it was a sixteen forty one. I got used pistons from a from a store up the street called Foreign Unlimited. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, they they gave me some used eighty sevens. They honed them out a little bit, and they had like low miles on them. I got a used one hundred cam from somebody, and uh, I think that was it. I, I just slapped it together. The the heads got like a little bit of lap work done or something at the machine shop, and and uh, yeah, I, I put it together and uh, I had I got some used Cadrone from a guy and and a, and a little header and yeah. Ever since then, I just um, I think I sold that engine and I started right away to build the next. And, and I was never scared. I was never yeah, and I never had too many fears. And then so for you on what you were doing, obviously with the internet being a big part of everything that we do, is that a resource that you'd go to for a lot of your, a lot of your insight that where it started taking you from? Cause I don't know how you stumble in, how'd you stumble into the type four world? Uh, the internet, definitely. Yeah. When I got into it, uh, there wasn't, I mean, there was internet of course, but it wasn't, uh, like a big part of, of, uh, what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, like later on I started, you know, about the type four and yeah without the internet i would have i wouldn't have known uh about the capabilities of it and 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 parts available things like that so yeah i I, it's it's all internet i think the internet for that and and now for you specifically what made you make the decision about type four i mean there's people building big powder type ones you're out of southern california that's like the the mecca of the type one type ones ville what what yeah. was it about the Type 4 that you were like, you know what, I think I'm going to go this direction? Yeah, um, you know, I have, a, I have a ton of Type 4 cores now. I don't know how I got so knee-deep in them. Um, I'm a big Type 1 guy. I've always been a big Type 1 guy. Uh, and just I, I had a goal in mind. Um, I, I told you about Johannes Pearson in our, in our last talk. Um, well, get you know what, uh, and it's good you brought that up because – Give a little bit of background of him and and how that spurred your into like who's he? What did he do? Because a lot of us got a lot of us listeners maybe don't know who he is and what he did, you know. And this will also tie into how you got where you're at. So who, yeah, yeah, I'll tie him in both. Then um, yeah. yeah, Johannes Pearson. Uh, shoot, I I think I was just scrolling through the internet and I saw that 
somebody posted about a, a 1600 uh, that that made uh, 195 odd horsepower. Uh, and I started reading and uh, re- reading through all the posts, and he was uh, using a lot of formula to to uh, to explain how he was going to arrive at the power that he was going to get before he uh, actually finished the engine. Uh, so it was all on paper, uh, exact, you know, what he was going to do. Um, he, 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 uh, he factored in friction, uh, and he was able to determine uh, what power the engine would make more or less at the RPM that it would make. And, uh, yeah, and he, and he set forth to, uh, to build it. And um, the engine uh, is one of his philosophies, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he builds all of his engines uh, this way unless they're really long stroke or cranks or anything. Uh-huh. But uh, he tries to build it with the heads as close to the engine as possible um, because uh, the, the shorter the cylinders are uh, and the shorter the stroke, the narrower the engine is and the, the more uh, rigid the top end is at high RPM. So it, it tends to flex less. Uh, right. The push rod is also very short uh, when an engine is, is narrow. So, um, uh, and, and push rod flex is one of the main things that causes uh, all kind of valve train issues. Valve train float, uh, damaged uh, valve stems, uh, damaged rocker arms, uh, pitted lifters. And, and uh, if, you, if you ever look at some used cams uh, on, on, the, on the ramp, there's a, a wear spot. On, right. on some used cams, and it's mm-hmm. from the lifter actually lofting off the lobe and slamming back down onto the other side. Uh, and all these are usually because of the push rod flex uh, deflection. So, um, yeah, by making a shorter push rod, you'll deflect less just naturally. It's just like a, a pencil. You can break an 8-inch pencil fairly easily, but it's harder to break a 4-inch pencil. So, um, it, it's, it's yeah, it's just naturally going to flex less. So, he uh, was the one that really drove uh, me to build the engine the way that I'm building it now. Nice. Um, and uh, the Type Four. I mean, we you've mentioned it before. Some of the some of the uh, the pros on uh, on the Type Four. Uh, sure. It cools better. It has uh, more surface area, so um, so you can hold it at wide open throttle for longer than a Type One without you know, fear of overheating. Um, the bore spacing is more advantageous. You can you can use really large bore sizes, yeah. uh, whereas with the Type One, you're kind of limited unless you move out the studs or something like that. But uh, maximum bore size with a lot a lot of work is about 103, 104 millimeter. And with a Type Four, you can. I mean, there there is really no limit. Nobody's pushed it that far yet. But a common slip in cylinder you can you can get a 106 right uh and then if you do some work you can move them out and i mean the bore spacing is 124 and a half so you can get up to like 119 if you really wanted to yeah uh so yeah we haven't even hit that limit yet but um um yeah i'm doing a 105 by 66 so that's my engine so 105 Uh, by 66 what's the displacement on that gonna be it's uh 20 it's twenty two eighty six cc's. Twenty two eighty six, and it yeah, should be and, I mean, uh, with a short stroke. I mean, the theory's always been short stroke is going to be a torque monster. Uh, it's actually going to rev uh, very fast. And that's um, and, and, and that's one of the that's one of maybe the misnomers I wanted to talk about a little bit because 
that that's the the premise is like the you know a short stroke motor with a big bore is going to be a more torquey motor you know what i mean than a, than a long stroke is typically the philosophy behind it that that what people that's what people think and now you're saying it's gonna it's gonna spin way high rpm because of the short because of the lack of rod angle uh yeah shorter strokes tend to rev faster uh like if you look at a motorcycle engine they have really short stroke mm -hmm. um uh that's not the only reason they rev fast but short stroke is part of it um so uh it's gonna rev quickly not only because of the stroke length which i'm keeping stock 66 the crankshaft is gonna have a bunch of work but um the the stroke is gonna remain the same mm -hmm. uh my Connecting rods are potter. They're aluminum. They're a little bit shorter than stock. The stock is five inch, and mine's are four and seven eight. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the compression height of the piston. A stock one seven one eight compression height is forty two millimeters. My compression heights are going to be around twenty two millimeters. So all those, all those things stacked up, it's going to be a very narrow engine. Uh, I estimate about an inch and three quarter on each side. Um, so you're saying an inch and three quarter on each side narrower than than the stock type the four, yeah. Type four uh, so yeah, we're talking about three and a half inches or something like that. Wow. Yeah. So three and a half inches. Uh, that is going to help me. Uh, with the, yeah, I, I, I think you've used the the four two one exhaust before, right? Yes. Uh, use the tangerine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm trying to do a four two one exhaust also. The first, uh, the first primary pipe is supposed to be a certain length. They, I think uh, you usually want to keep it below 22 inches. Right. And it's kind of hard to do that unless you move the banks close to each other. Uh, so I'm hoping that once I uh, once I get the banks really close, that I can make the curve and make the pipes join and everything, and they'll be less than 22 inches. Um, and that's the ideal primary length for, for, for the first pairing. And, um, and now the the – from your research that you've done, like just being, you know, an engine builder and enthusiast and trying to get your motor to, to maximize your, the performance that you're looking for, how important, how important is exhaust in this whole game, especially with a type four, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, um, some people say it's, a uh, really hard to get flow out of the exhaust in a type four. Uh, there are ways to get around. There's plenty of ways. Uh, most of them involve welding. Um, but you, even without welding, you can, if you have a flow bench, you can get good flow numbers from the exhaust to get, uh, to get the right intake exhaust ratio. Um, but yeah, you are going to have to try hard and they're renowned for not flowing well. Um, that's why most type fours are known for having a lot of torque because you can't get the flow out of them so these guys build these really large engines and they don't then the heads don't flow very well so the engine peaks at a very low rpm and that's great for driving around it's um uh, yeah it's awesome it, it has a bunch of wheel spinning torque and you can pull any grade with no throttle at all and yeah it, it's good for those things but it doesn't have a lot of top end um so yeah you need good exhaust work in order to 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 hit high rpm and so what, what's your, so let's talk about your motor, what your goal was before you set out to build this motor. And then let, let's talk about the things that you're doing to get to your goal. So what, so you're building a motor. Well, let's first talk about what kind of Volkswagen are you putting it in? Uh, it's a 67 bug. Um, my, my wife wants it to be stock. She says, she says, don't change it. Don't lower it. And I'm like, okay. 
So uh, it's a, a Zenith Blue 67 Buzz. Uh-huh. It's going to look stock on the outside, but uh, I, I have really nice suspension parts. Uh, the engine is going to be, you're not even going to notice it's in there. Even the exhaust is going to hug so closely to the engine that it's not really going to be noticeable. Uh, I mean, obviously you're going to know when you, when you get inside and you start it up, but for the most part, the car is going to remain stock looking. I'm, I'm, I want to take it to the track though. And, uh, and not, not the drag strip, but to, uh, to like for time trial, for uh slalom, for hill climb, I'm going to go look for those kind of events. And, uh, yeah, just work on suspension tuning and trying to get the best out of the car, uh, while remaining somewhat stock looking. And so you think, uh, uh with, with the height of the car being stock, you, I mean, you're going to try to, I mean, like autocross or time trials or what, what, what kind of racing? Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that sort of thing. I mean, we have a couple tracks, not really close, but, uh, there, there's some tracks nearby. So I'm going to look at the rules and, uh, yeah, and, and try and. I know I'm not going to be competitive with regular uh, steel wheels. I'm not going to be competitive with tall, like 165 looking tires or mm-hmm. anything. But I'm just going to learn and grow and just try and tune the car the best I can within the the, the limits that I have. Or I might have a, a set of track tires that I can put on and then take them off and then put on my regular ones for driving around. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, originally on paper, the engine. I think I wanted something kind of mild with a budget and it was like a, I think my goal was like 260 horsepower and uh, I wanted to do so with normal off the shelf parts. And you're saying 260 Um, horse naturally aspirated. Naturally aspirated. So it was going to have to rev somewhere in the neighborhood of like 7,500 RPM to hit that. So it it was going to be a rever no matter what. Right. Um, but then, like, uh, I don't know. It, <laughs> I get carried away sometimes. I, yeah, I saw a set of aluminum rods from a guy named Ray Covey. Uh, he had them for a decent price. They they had, like, low miles or no miles on them. Maybe they were just mocked up, and they were Chevy Journal, old potters uh, with a steel cap. Yeah. And uh, so, so I got them from him, and, yeah, I was like, okay, so I'm going to use these, and then I'm going to turn my stock crank down to uh, to a Chevy Journal on the rod. And uh, then I started reading a little bit more, and then I called Potter up, and I was asking about their new rods, and they kind of, yeah, they, they won me over. And so I bought a set of Honda Journal rods uh, really? for the spring shaft. So now it's, uh, a Chevy is two inches. Uh-huh. Uh, a Honda Journal is about 1900. So it's a really small connecting rod journal. Uh, I didn't do that on purpose, but the rod quality and uh yeah it's just what they offer now so um so yeah i'm going that route i have to strengthen the crankshaft because i lost a bunch of uh journal overlap Mm -hmm. so um my original plan was to use these bearings that i got from lithuania and it's uh it can fit in the case but the id of the bearing is really uh is really large so it's like a thin shell like a like a rod bearing kind of but you know mains are thick yeah Uh, so it was thin like a rod bearing in the center and then I was going to send my crank off to DPR and have them weld it up and just make me one big center main, like how the Type 1 guys do. Right. Uh, yeah, so I was going to do the same with the Type 4, but um, it just uh, compromises. The bearings were taking too long to get here. Uh, when I talked to Jose about it, he, he was kind of like on the fence about it. He didn't know if he was going to be able to do it right or 
Yeah, and I was telling him about the radius that I wanted to put in, and he was like, oh, man, that sounds like a lot of work. And uh, so I, I just settled for a counterweighted crank. So now it's a, what is it, a knife-edged 66 uh, with Honda journals uh, and rifle drilling. So he's going to drill through the, the Conrad hole and uh, or drill through the connecting rod journal uh, to lighten it a little bit. Um and, uh, yeah, I mean, even my, my clutch is aluminum. My uh, flywheel is eight pounds. Uh, the, uh, you know, the rods are aluminum. Yeah, the rods are aluminum now. Uh, the pistons are going to weigh about 350 grams total. Is your flywheel uh, aluminum? Did you say your fl- uh, flywheel is steel? It's the one of the AA conversion flywheels. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, yeah, I sent it to DPR as well. He sent it to Donnie, uh, DK, what is it, DK Machining? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he, he Swiss cheesed it and now it's about eight pounds. Uh, wow. and, uh, yeah, the heads originally I was going to go with a 914 casting, the one from AA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to weld it in the places that I needed to do my porting and such. So I was going to weld the exhaust area. I was going to weld the intakes. Uh, I was going to, uh, reinforce the stud areas so that, uh, the head didn't compress when you tighten the studs. Uh, I was going to add two more studs, uh, so six-stud configuration. Now, what, why uh, but after you, I started... Why are uh, you going to six-stud the head? Uh, it's known to deflect a lot when you torque the four studs on a big bore. Like uh, the areas between the studs kind of um, bow away from the right. cylinder a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, especially under load. Under load, it starts to balloon up and move away from the cylinder. And the cylinder also starts to balloon a little bit, so everything's kind of expanding. And yeah, you lose power that way. You don't you don't make the the optimal power that you're trying to uh, shoot for. So sure, uh, I was gonna uh, yeah, I was gonna reinforce everything I could so that when I clamped down the head, it completely sealed around the cylinder. And then uh, I I started talking to Rimmel, and I got a set of Rimmel heads instead. They're they don't they don't do that. Um, I have a friend that that put put in a bunch of boost behind a set, and yeah, just regular four stud, and he's not having an issue. So, uh, so you decided to go with the Remmel head because they say you don't need to add the extra studs because they build a they build a deeper head pocket, or that their head because that ability of aluminum is more stout. Uh, the, yeah, the material uh, is a little bit more stout; it doesn't deflect as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I believe the the meat behind the chamber, the chamber uh, ceiling. You're right. Is uh thicker is thicker than than a, a Type Four. Type Fours are very thin. You know, if you fly yeah. cut, uh, what what is the step? The step is about thirty or forty thousand. Yeah. And then right after the step, if you if you cut like another fifty or sixty thou, you can break into the exhaust studs. So they're they're yeah they're really thin. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there's not really any fly cutting you can do on those heads. Um, so, uh, yeah, the Rimmel's a lot beefier in those areas. It doesn't have a stud passing through the same way, so it's a better setup. Um, but yeah, it has the same layout like a Type 4, so the exhausts are still pointing down. And a set of those, I mean, a set of those Rimmel heads is, they're fa- they're fairly expensive compared to heads, right? But I mean, it's a, it's a billet machined head that's all CNC made, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it... it it's comparable. After I was uh, considering all the welding that I had to do, right? Uh, and I'd have to pay for that welding because I didn't know how to weld at the time, and I'm just barely learning right now. So, uh, 
uh, it, it was going to work out the same. Actually, the casting is not bad, uh, or the not the, the billet is is uh, is not bad for the price. I think I paid uh, like fifteen hundred dollars for a bear set. I didn't need the valves or anything, so I just uh, I bought the bear the bear uh, heads, and then I had them go to Sweden. So they're they're sitting in Sweden right now at JPM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I know he's really busy and stuff, so I didn't want to bother him with with finding me valves, uh, the right kind of valves to hit the goal that we wanted to, and and all, all the parts. Uh, he needs a stub pipe, like a, a pipe to mimic the exhaust uh, when he's doing his slow work, and right. he needed an intake also. So uh, I had uh, I have a, a friend in Norway that made me a, a set of custom throttle bodies. They're, they're drive-by wire throttle body, so there's a Hall Effect center sensor on the pedal, and it tells the throttle how far to open. Um, so there's no cables or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, he made one for me, and he sent it here, and then he, uh, so I can mock up inside my car, and then he sent the other to Sweden. Uh, so yeah, one sitting at JPM now. I just have to get him his valves and get him that that stub pipe, and then he can start doing his work. Nice. So the yeah, heads and are they be... they flow about two fifty right now. Two fifty CSM. They're good about uh, for two hundred fifty horsepower. So he needs to find an, an additional uh, thirty to fifty CSM in the heads. So you're trying to get the flow to two fifty CFM. What what is uh, what's the stock type for flow? Uh, stock. Uh, I think about one hundred twenty CFM. Uh, and, and I just think that, uh, because, I mean, the, the, I think the heads vary. Like the 17 doesn't flow as much as, uh, the 1.8 head or the, the Porsche, uh, the 2 liter head. Um, but I, with any head, like no matter what combo you build, if you don't do flow, like any porting, right. then the head only is good. I mean, the engine's only good for about 120, 130 horsepower. So I think the head flows about 120. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but these, these Reynolds flow 250 supposedly out of the box and I need 300. So he's going to, he's going to try to find me somewhere around 300. That's crazy. And these, I mean, these heads are like the answer to the type one weak spot, which is the heads really. I mean, a good, a good, a good set of heads. We we already know on the type four, the bottom end is super bulletproof, um, in regards to you know torque bearing sizes the the aluminum case from the factory you know uh mm-hmm. in respect to in respect to the heads i mean that's kind of the the answer is it t- you were saying you had to get them through i think you said you got them through uh through somebody now could you bought them direct from remel the heads or yeah it, yeah okay. yeah you you have to buy them direct uh from them uh you you can contact them on messenger and uh their uh his their spokesperson or their uh the salesperson uh his name is matthew he he can he can tell them to you directly and they and so what's a set of fully fully done turnkey heads run for uh i believe they're about twice as much i think if you buy a set of rimmels that are uh like set up with valves and and it's already bored to the size that you need and everything i think they're like uh 35 Mm -hmm. yeah so the but uh, I, I knew I didn't need the valves. I knew I didn't need their springs. So I, I just I opted out of that stuff and I, I ordered my own thing. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I mean it, it's a pretty serious commitment. But depending on what you're planning to do with your motor, I mean it's uh, you know, it's 
it's a worthwhile investment, especially if you're trying to crank out as much power as you can. I mean, I don't know how many people have, you know, the Type 4s, people aren't really off-road racing anymore because that class has gone by the wayside until it becomes a classic class. And then people will probably bring it back. And I think they run some of those cars in, in like a classic retro class for off-roading. But um, they're, uh, you know, heads are a key component to a lot of your horsepower. You know, I mean, that's that's a that everybody knows like that's where you can really find horsepower cam heads and intake, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you're doing you're going with uh, fuel injection on this, obviously. Yes. And what type of you talked about your fuel injection or, or your your end castings and whatnot that the pictures you've sent me and, and they'll be posted on the on the follow uh on the podcast page uh like the prototype of those They're, now those are 3d printed plastic out of like a a, a a composite material yeah yeah it's uh the this temporary one is um something soft i think it'll it'll be laminate mm -hmm. um but his, the final version is something a lot harder uh, it can resist fuel uh, it's actually being tested at this moment in the 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 guy that, that made these his name is a uh, I might I might bastardize his name. I think it's uh tu mm -hmm. uh, It's a T H O R E hyphen M O R T E N. Uh, and uh, he yeah he he's the one that markets these throttle bodies and he can design you anything you want. Like he can print anything out if you just want to model it up or if you even want a permanent one. Um, but yeah, he has a set in his car right now and he's actually putting it through the paces. He's trying to see if anything's going to happen in the long run. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on him to tell me. If he says, oh, they don't work, then uh, he has the file and I can make them out of aluminum. Yeah, you know, I've always, I've often thought, you know, even on some other cars, you know, I, I also own a, a Fox body Mustang and they always had like a Philonic spacer between the intake manifold and the, the, the upper and lower intake manifold. And that Philonic spacer is made out of like Delron or, you know, whatever it's made out of. And it's used to keep the heat from transferring up to the intake manifold. Now, with going with the composite type intake, I've often thought, you know, when I was when I was broke and looking at turbo kits, I often thought like, man, couldn't you just make all the piping out of PVC? And then I thought, and it'd be even cooler because it wouldn't get hot. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't have that uh, that thermal transfer like steel does, you know. And right, right. I would be interested to see, you know, what the difference would be in air intake temperatures on a setup that has, you know, 3D printed manifolds that are composite. And then your throttle body is going to be composite as well with just the, whatever mechanical TPS sensors and whatnot that need to be machined. Those will be steel or the or the the whole thing is going to be steel as far as on top of the intake manifold. Now, the uh, the throttle body is actually a production throttle body. Uh, I. I don't want to share what it is because it's part of his design. Right. But it's uh it comes on production vehicles. It's uh yeah, it's just a regular part. Um oh, it's fifty four cool. millimeter. The, the 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 throttles are fifty four millimeter and then he just designs everything around the throttle body. And wh what is the reason you're gonna do duels instead of single? Uh the the uh you know, I I, I like to uh, – there's the thought that if you can open the throttle bodies and see the backside of the valve, that uh, you'll have the best flow. Um, 
I was listening to Darren Morgan. He 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 uh, he does like engines for NASCAR and things like that. Right. Uh, and he had a speed talk um, where uh, where he was saying if you can't look down the throttle and see the backs of the valves, how does the air make it there? Now he was talking about fuel in air, so it's a little bit different because mm-hmm. uh, if fuel has to turn too hard, it can separate and and hit the wall. But uh, that that's my theory. I, yeah, I want to be able to see the backs of the valve so that uh, that the air flows the fastest and the straightest path that it can. Um, so uh, these these uh, throttle bodies are not straight up; they're not vertical. They're uh, they they tilt like at a. Uh, I don't know how far they tilt, but yeah, they they tilt pretty far. If, if you look down the throttle, you might be able to see the back of the valve. Right. I mean, you're you're pushing like a like maybe a you know, f- almost a 45 degree angle on the intake. Uh, yeah. Somewhere around there, somewhere around there on, on the throttle bodies. It's kind of a wild look, but I guess since your motor's almost three inches narrower, it works inside the engine compartment, right? Right. Right. That's, that was, that was the plan all along. Um, I didn't want to cut the body. I mean, I can I will cut the body if necessary, but, uh, I didn't want to. So yeah, that e- even with this throttle body angled outward, with the filter top, uh, it's still supposed to miss the the firewall there. Um, so yeah, it, it's only ten. I think it's like ten and a half inches long from the top of the trumpet down to the base of the manifold. And so, uh, and looking at this injection setup, you've also got two injectors. You've got lower injectors and upper injectors. Yeah, there's one built into the the filter top. Uh, and then the second one is in the traditional place. Is it's shooting right at the back of the valve. And so these are like primary and secondaries. Yes, primary and secondary. Uh, his computer knows, I guess, when I'm at wide open throttle, and it'll it'll tell the second one to, to go ahead and fire. So the second one is going to be the one at the top of the butterfly, above the butterfly. Uh, yes, that one. That one sits above the butterfly. I don't know if I sent you pictures of that, but I have to. Yeah, yeah I have. Got, I've, I've got a cutaway. It's and that's that's kind of what I'm oh, looking okay. at. It's pretty. Uh, All right. It's it's pretty dialed in, but you know, we talked to on the podcast previously. We had um, AJ Sims, and we talked a lot about he does that Fitec setup, which is uh, you know a, a single throttle body with four injectors on it, and it, it's like a in the in the imitation of a carburetor, right? So. Uh, yeah, he does that, but he's also gone to where he's put second sets of injectors down low, like you're doing, and I think he's doing that for some cold starts and some other things. So it's pretty interesting how the the technology with four injectors is getting to where you know it's not so rare uh, to start seeing that in the VW world, which is really a, a huge leap from where we have been uh, on this. EFI setup. What engine engine management are you trying to do? Uh, now the 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 same person that's supplying my throttle bodies mm-hmm. is supplying the entire management system. Uh, the ignition, it, it's all tied in. There's a crank trigger uh, that, that goes on the on the pulley. Uh, so it, it's a full kit that I'm buying from him. Uh, so yeah, I, if if you listen to me, you can probably tell that I don't know too much about that kind of stuff. I'm a I'm mainly like an old school kind of engine guy. Right. I'm really really used to carburetors. So yeah, yeah, when, yeah. Some of the stuff he tells me, I'm just like, yeah, just tell me what to do, and I'll put it in, and yeah, we'll go from there. Um, but yeah, he's he's. I needed him to make me a full kit so 
so I didn't have to go and look for parts and go dig through junkyards and uh yeah so uh, he's he's handling that that for me so he's building you a full kit and then uh and obviously he sells those kits i mean where's he at price point in regards to let's say one of those i mean obviously yours has got some custom stuff on it with the manifolds not, uh, not within the manifold does he have like a regular price those go for like for the the engine management and the throttle bodies uh yeah yeah everything uh a full kit um is actually very affordable and it's comparable to like a cv kit or anything uh i, I think i'm paying like three grand for the whole kit that's engine management yeah that's th- for everything for custom custom manifolds for custom everything uh the whole setup i think it's somewhere around three grand yeah that's pretty and impressive. if it's a little more it's not a big deal to me but um yeah I'm, I'm just happy that i got exactly what i envisioned um yeah yeah i'm happy yeah well i mean it's <laughs> i think when you're that committed you know like you're you're just going full tilt you know, you, you start off with the idea and your premise of what you want to do with the car and you start building the pieces, putting it together and doing something that I don't think there's a lot of people that have heard of, you know, Type 4 Motors revving to. What's your goal for maximum RPM for this motor? Uh, I wrote it on paper just using a regular formula that Johannes does. Uh-huh. Uh, I figured I'd make, uh, what is it? I think I think on there's an error margin on the horsepower because uh, whatever he aimed for it was like 1.7 difference. Like he made he he I think he shot for 176 and it ended up making 196. So yeah, there was an error margin, but uh, I, I figured around 280 on paper uh, at 8500 RPM. Um, so I, I think I can hit 300 um, because it doesn't factor in like friction or anything like that. So, I mean, the parts I have are really exotic. I have, like, really nice valve train parts. And so my friction is, is going to be less than most any VW engine anywhere. And that's, a, that's the next place we're going is valve train because you've, you've got some modified bosses on your, on your case, and you've got a whole different valve train. So talk to me about valve train and why you made the decisions to do what you do. So, so first let's talk about the modifications you had to make or, or what products you decided to use and why, and then the modifications you had to make to use those. All right. Uh, yeah, valve train is my specialty, actually. I, I do a lot of side business where I offer valve train parts, and I try to uh, push people to use lighter springs and lighter parts so that, you know, the engine can rev higher without uh, creating a lot of friction, raising oil temperatures, things like that. Uh, so um, I knew that the Type 4 valve train is very heavy. It's uh, the lifter. The stock lifter weighs about 110 to 120 grams. Uh, the push rod weighs uh, about 80 grams. The aluminum version weighs about 80 grams, and that's comparable to like a, a thick wall steel push rod for a Type 1. Uh, the rockers are a lot heavier than the Type 1 rockers, and uh, the valve springs are not that tough, so they're just barely keeping up with all that stock stuff. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I knew I had to tackle that valve train. Uh, well, the go-tos are just swapping out the springs for, like, dual dual springs, like Type 1 springs. Right. And then using a uh, a Type 1 lifter. So they, they make board, like, uh, sleeves where you can push them in and then use a normal Type 1 lifter. Uh, and then uh, I started searching around and stuff, and I found this guy named Gerd Weiser. Uh, uh, and uh, he had... Uh, he had some, he originally sold them 
along with another company called Engine Plus. And after asking around for a few years, or like a couple of years, I, I finally found some people that were able to help me. Uh, and now I have like more sets than I know what to do with. Uh, but uh, it's a, it looks like a Porsche 356 lifter. Have you ever seen one? They're really, uh, they have like a 12 millimeter shaft. They're right. a little bit longer than the Type 1 lifter. And the head is kind of small. It's like 26 millimeters. But uh, the, the Gerd Weiser one is 29 millimeter head and all the same dimensions elsewhere. So uh, I, I I contacted him. He had them. He had the lifter bore bushings uh, that you press in for the Type 4. Uh, so yeah, I went ahead and bought the whole lot from him and, and got them all, uh, redone at SLR. So yeah, the reground to the right taper and everything or the right convex. Nice. Uh, and, um, yeah, so the gram, uh, the gram, the weight on the lifters is 50 grams. Versus, um, versus huh? how much, how much for a stock lifter? What's the difference? So what's the, what's the total difference? Uh, valve train? Uh, a stock a stock lifter is about 110 grams. I don't wow. know the entire weight. I never I never figured the entire weight. But a stock lifter is about 110 grams. The hydraulic lifter is about 120 grams. Uh, so uh, yeah, mine is about 50 grams. The push rod that I'm going to use is a log mech push rod. It's a dual taper push rod that's a little bit different than the dual taper push rods that we have here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It uh, it starts at 12 millimeter in the center. And tapers down a nine millimeter at the end, so it's obvious when you're holding your hand, you can see that it tapers a bunch. Yeah, uh, they're really strong, and they're made of seventy seventy five aluminum versus the stuff that we have here in the states, which is uh, 60, 60, 60, 65 or something like that. Yeah, sixty sixty one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, so they're uh, they're a lot harder too, uh, and I'm gonna cut them down. Uh, they're they're about seventy grams standard like in a regular type one engine right um but i have to cut them down like two inches so they're going to be about nine inches long and i'm figuring they're probably going to weigh somewhere around 60 grams uh and then uh the valve the the rocker arms i'm not using the stock steel rocker arms i'm using a rocker arm from uh holger Loschinger. he's in germany he has a company called creepy motorsport and uh, he contracts with another company called Weiss that actually, I think they're the ones that make them. They have the CNC machines and they make them. But it, it looks similar to the old Potter Type 4 rocker arm, but it doesn't have a roller on it. It uses a tool steel adjuster on the end that also comes from Germany. And he gets those from another guy and he makes them special for those rockers. And you said it's creep, uh, so, Creepy Motorsports? Yeah, Creepy Motorsports. And uh, they're aluminum. Yeah, so... Uh, Right, right now I have one four. I asked him for some one sixes, but I'm like on a wait list or whatever. Ho- hopefully he gets them in time, or else uh, I have a backup plan. I'll just put more cam list on it. But I'd like to have very low cam list and a bunch of uh, rocker list. Right. So uh, yeah, so I have some one fours sitting in my cabinet for now. Uh, and oh, the valves, the valves. I just got them. They they came a couple weeks ago. They're from Perea. I have a uh, Titanium intakes, 48 millimeter, and a stainless uh, 38 millimeter exhaust, and they're both seven millimeter stems. Uh, type four was eight millimeter on the intake and nine millimeter stem on the exhaust. So you went smaller and, uh, stems. Yeah, they're about half the weight of the Type four valves. 
Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, like a titanium retainer from elsewhere, a guy named Shad Leon is helping me out with those. Uh, and yeah, as soon as I get all this stuff together, I'm going to box it up and send it off to Sweden so he can start doing his flow work on them. And the, um, the guy that's doing the flow work is the same guy that built the mouse motor. That's his shop. Yes. 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 He, uh, and he's built a few mouse engines. Uh, he, the first one was a 1603 that made 196 horsepower at, uh, I think it was like 7,800 RPM. Uh, and then the second version was a, a real 1600, which is a 1584 cc. That one made 214 horsepower when I went. And I think he found a little bit more horsepower later on. So he's probably like around 218. Wow. Uh, and that's at 9600 RPM. Uh, and then, uh, now he's doing, a, another 1600 for a guy in a, in a 1600 challenge competition that they have going on in Sweden. And, uh, that one is, uh, the rules are stock valves, stock sized valves. And, uh, there's a, one other restriction, like, uh, you have to use carburetors or, or something like that. But yeah, it has to be stock dimensions and it has to use stock valves. And so your theory behind uh, behind the stock valve train is you don't have to have as intensive a spring because you're slowing down the total mass of the valve train, so you don't have to go with the crazy. I mean, you've got to have the spring to bring back for your high lift, but if you lighten up the valve train, I mean, under high RPM, that's going to keep the spring reacting better. Is that Yes, is that and you don't need as much it? of it. Yes, and you don't need as much spring to return that whole mass. Uh, now with ratio rockers, it kind of gets diminished. The higher the ratio, the less important the stuff underneath the rocker, uh, becomes like the push rod and the lifter, but it still has some importance. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the lighter the package, the easier the spring can return that whole mass back to, back to the seat. Uh, so, uh, the, the, the creepy motorsport wife, Weiss rocker arms, uh, in the instructions, they say 280 pounds is, is like the limit that you're supposed to put on them. So, uh, I'm going to try to aim for that. Maybe uh, I might come out a little bit higher, but, um, I'm going to try to aim for that. So 280 pounds open pressure. Um, a lot of people are telling me it's impossible. I, I don't think it is impossible because Johannes's, uh, 200 and some odd horsepower engine had the same spring pressure and he was able to rev the 9600 rpm so i do think it's possible that's crazy 9600 rpm and a 1600 yeah it, it, to hear it is, is uh it's deafening you have to close your ears that's nuts yeah that's uh i mean so you're going so so let's just put it all in a package here what you're doing together as a as a, as a group from your philosophy you're going super lightweight low inertia motor Right from the yeah. rifle drilled uh, crank to the eight pound flywheel, um, you're doing super light valve. Tra- I mean, you're talking aluminum aluminum rods, and then your pistons. Your pistons, by chance, you're also shortened your pistons like radically shortened the pistons. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you've got aluminum pistons as well, like lightweight aluminum pistons. Yeah, so uh, JE is gonna make them. Uh, I've I've been making some for some friends already. So uh, like, if there are some friends in Hawaii that have like 90 stroke engines, mm-hmm. and they want their engine to be stock with. So I've been making. Uh, I've been having JE make 
really high compression, high pistons. So where after you close it all up, the engine is stock with, and it's a 2,500 plus cc engine. Uh, so it, it's possible to get the pin way up there. About 22 millimeters is the limit. Uh, before the, the underside of the piston hits the, the small end of the rod, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's about the limit right there is about 22 millimeter. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. 22 millimeter compression height. When you hold it up by its side, it's about, uh, two inches tall. It's a really short piston. Um, and they, uh, they're estimating it'll be somewhere around 350 grams. Uh, for comparison sake, a stock 85.5 millimeter type one piston is, uh, I believe it's uh, over 500 grams. A type four piston is in the 700 gram range with the, the pin and the rings and everything. It's about 700 grams. So I'm, I'm aiming for about half that. And what and what what kind of wrist pin are you using? Are you using a? You've got to use. Uh, a, so so twenty two millimeter. I I I try to get a twenty millimeter pin, and they showed up to my door with twenty twos, and I contacted them. I contacted Potter, and he was like, "Oh, just in the back, I'll push in a, a bushing, and then uh and then you'll have a twenty. And but it, it kind of defeated the purpose because I actually was hoping that by using a twenty millimeter pin, that the material for the support on the, on the small end would be a little bit shorter too. So I could even tighten the compression height up more, but, uh, yeah, so I just left it at 22. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, just a normal wrist pin. I think I might get some kind of coating or ask about some alternative materials or something. I'll see what they say. And so that's a, that's a whole nother thing we could talk about is, is also, you know, I, I, yesterday I did a, uh, a podcast with, uh, that's going to be coming out, this last week so you'll be hearing well, this podcast will be after uh last week's podcast and what we'll hear on last week's podcast with doug gonzalez about the horsepower that they were able to pull out by changing oil viscosities for drag racing you know and i mean uh -huh. it was crazy how much power they were able to get just by changing oil viscosity you know so with that being said you're going to be doing such a higher rpm spinning engine are you doing any kind of internal coatings is your plan to do any kind of internal coatings in the motor and did you smooth out the inside of the case as well for oil for quick oil return i mean you are doing a, a dry sump motor so oh yeah i forgot about the dry sump yeah, yeah. It, it's uh it's dry sump uh it, it try i try to start small but it just got I, like everything else it got kind of carried away so i have a a steph uh dry sump tank and uh i try to use a cv dry sump pump but it turns out that it's not going to be adequate for for the rpm and everything that i'm gonna be turning right uh, so um a guy named david gook in australia helped me with a daily pump so it's a two-stage uh dry sump pump and it sticks way far out of the engine and hopefully it doesn't hit my apron and a bunch of stuff i, I think it will hit my apron so i have to figure out some way to cut it right there or, or maybe make it removable or something so i'll yeah. see when i get there yeah, it's, so, I mean, have you calculated, I mean, obviously you're doing the dry sump because you plan to to run the car through a track where it's going to get a lot of lateral Gs and it's going to, maybe you don't want to go into oil oil scavenging or, you know, starving the oil system. Um, right, right. Have you, uh, have you looked, so with that being said, it's a closed loop system with really no oil, there's, there's no oil sloshing around inside the motor? 
Uh, yeah, there's actually a little bit of suction on the engine, too, so the rings will feel better. Um, but, yeah, there's not too much oil in the crankcase. As soon as it hits the, the bottom of the top, uh, it'll get pulled up into the pump and go out to the to the dry sump tank. Uh, so far in my mind, I haven't started mocking up anything yet, but uh, there, there's no space to put the dry sump tank. A lot of people are against it, but I have to put it in the package tray. So yeah. It's going to be like if I look in the rearview mirror, I'm going to see it right there. <laughs> Yeah. In the package tray, I'm going to seal it off from the car. It's going to have its own duct. It's going to vent from the stock vent that's over the engine compartment. So uh, there'll be a vent that connects to the to the the little can or the the, the box that goes around it. Uh, and then I'm going to put a fan with the oil cooler underneath it. And I'm going to cut a hole in the package tray so the, when when the fan comes on, it'll suck air from the vent through uh, through the box. The air will pass over the, the dry sump tank and cool it down and then push the air over the oil cooler and then push it out over the trans and it'll leave the car. Well, that's a lot, <laughs> that's a lot of effort to go through for the, for the oil system, but I guess you know if the plan is to take the car to the track, I mean, that's what you need to do is to have a dry sump system on there to, to keep the bearings lubricated, especially, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of room for mistakes at 8,500 RPM. You know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now I have to check the rule book because the, there might be something against uh, having the dry sump tank in the car, even mm-hmm. if it's enclosed. So I gotta actually read the rules and see what they say. Um, but that's the plan for now. There's nowhere to put a dry sump tank really in a VW. Uh, they have some little short vintage ones that are like uh, maybe a foot tall, and you can kind of figure out places to put them. But most dry sump tanks are really long, like cylindrical. So it's hard to find a good place to put them. So the package tray is where it's going to go for now. Yeah. And worst case scenario, I mean, if this was, if, if you're almost to the point where, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a time money equation and you, you know, you can even build a, a long thinner one that fit inside the engine compartment that goes just behind the, the fan shroud. But you know, listen, yeah. I, when money's no object, I guess you can make that right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I might, I might look into that later. Uh, Cause I, I know there's some other way there. Some people uh, put them in the wheel well somehow, like uh, they have one that kind of shape is shaped to the wheel well. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to go that route. I'll see. I'll see when I get there. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, I mean, have you calculated the total weight savings that you're doing on the motor? Like the the total thing, you know, flywheel, everything. I mean, the heads. What's the difference in the weight on the heads? Uh, I, I think they're probably going to be a little bit heavier than the Type 4. Huh. Um, you know, when, when you bore them, you lose some material. Uh, but that's it. Like, other than that, it's, it, it's still a billet, so it's going to be a, heavier than a cast one, I think. Um, but everywhere else is going to save. My cylinders are really short. I think I chopped like an inch off the cylinders, and the cylinders are heavy as hell. Uh, the case... Nah, I didn't really modify it too much, but the crank is a lot lighter, the flywheel's a lot lighter, the rods are a lot lighter, the pistons are. So, yeah, I'll probably save, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 pounds or so. I mean, 50 pounds is tremendous for a motor, you know, on the back on the back of a car. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a substantial yeah. amount of weight savings. But I'm excited, man. When do you anticipate this thing is coming together? You know. Uh, so I think I'm going to get my valve train stuff maybe in a week or so. Uh, as soon as I get it and it goes to Sweden, he'll start on it. Uh, I don't know what his schedule is like. I know he's really busy, but um, I estimate that he will be – he said it's, it'll take him 10 hours of work. 
to, to finish the head. So, um, uh, I estimate maybe by like November they'll be ready. And that's what uh, my they... plan was to go to Dino Day actually and go pick them up. But yeah, because of everything that's going on, I won't be able to do that this year. Sure. Uh, so yeah, so they'll be ready maybe in November or so, and they'll ship them back. And I'll start getting everything together, and it'll probably be all in front of me around uh, early 2021 is when I think. And, uh, yeah, then I can start trying to mock stuff up, uh, and, and, yeah, go from there. So any other details we didn't talk about? We talked about, uh, we talked about the, the rotating mass, the crankshaft, the flywheel, all that stuff. We talked about the dry sump system. We talked about uh, the heads, the valve train. Um I mean, well, you know, let's talk about cooling system for a second, right? So we, we kind of were going back and forth. We talked a little bit about cooling, and I know that uh, you're thinking about doing one of those uh, a flat-down fan motor setup on that. Yeah, so there's a few companies that offer them. Uh, I think Auratech was one. Um, I don't know if Sharpbilt had a, had a downward shrouder if they only had the, the, the one like you have. Right. Um, the upright but uh so. yeah but the one that i have is is coming from a guy named lee arnold uh he's really low-key he never i don't think he ever had a website but all the german look guys all the type the big type four guys they all seem to know about him they know how to get a hold of him when they need something uh so uh yeah he makes them he's making me one right now he's like he said that i'm that i'm punching out a bunch of them right now and they'll be ready pretty soon uh, but yeah, it's just a regular downward shroud. Uh, it looks a lot nicer than some of the other ones. Uh, it, it's really sleek and nice. I have to modify it. It's gonna come here, and I gotta box it up and send it to uh, a friend, a friend's dad who's good at uh, molding fiberglass. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give him the dimensions and everything, and he's gonna narrow it up for me a little bit. Well, and, um, you know, and so some of those listeners that may not know what we're talking about, we're talking about downward fan. Uh, it's similar to the Corvair setup. In the in the Corvair off the crankcase pulley uh, or the, the the crankshaft pulley, uh, it comes up, it hits the, the belt, goes through two 90-degree pulleys, and then goes flat against the top of the motor, and the fan essentially blows down on top of the pistons, which is an interesting thing that german guys are copying what vw did i know that are not vw but chevrolet did and what the issue that chevrolet had was retaining the belt sometimes you know there was a little difficulty sometimes keeping the belt on that's one of the yeah i I also have a corvair as well and so some of the one of the deals with corvairs is the belt toss you know right right my peace of mind comes from a friend that's using one yeah. Uh, and he has a very wild engine, a lot of boost. He's making a ton of power. I think he's around 500 horsepower turbo. Wow. Uh, it's also a Type 4, and, yeah, he's using a, a similar shroud. It's, it's not from Lee Arnold. It's uh, I think it's the Oratech shroud, and uh, he's not having any issues. That, that engine turns a lot of, a lot of RPM. Um, his name is uh, Walter. Uh, he, he was on the old Shop Talk forums things. Uh, his name is Wally on there. Uh, he had a white super beetle and it had like a whale tail on the back. It is really nice. So, uh, yeah, he, he's using one and he doesn't have any issues. So I think I'll be able to figure out a way to, to keep the belt on there. And he's running and, and he's running, you said he's running a 500 horsepower turbo type four. Yeah. And he's stateside. Uh, he's in, uh, the Netherlands. Okay. I was going to say, I, I don't know anybody who's pulling those kind of numbers here in, uh, here in the states you know what i mean that's a yeah those are big numbers i mean they're they're hugely impressive and it's always been 
you know, kind of a, a, a dream for me to look at my type fours and think like, man, what if I could just boost one of those things and just see, yeah, you know, just get that spool up even quicker because it's got that, it's already got that stump pulling torque, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy because it's 500 horsepower and you can drive it anywhere and yeah, he takes it to autocross events. It's not like a, a quarter mile 500 horsepower car that can only, you know, stay on for a second and you have to shut it off. It, it just drives anywhere. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah. So your plan is to get this motor in by 2021 and then show up, you know, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe get to a to a show where we'll be able to see what this thing will do. It would be really interesting to do a follow-up once you get this thing put together and and see what the end result is like and, and really kind of – and maybe – if uh if i'm able to we'll we'll maybe do a video and shoot a, a do a little test ride video and see how that thing oh, awesome. how that thing's going down because i'd be super interested to see because you know the, the thing is you know you're following a guy out of uh where's he where's johannes at is he out of, he's out of sweden right yeah, he's in Sweden. So a guy who's out of Sweden who's calcing all his engine builds before he does it and using theory and mathematics to calculate where he wants to be, and you're you're going down that path and yet doing a lot of unorthodox things that have not been done here stateside. So I'm excited to see what that turns into because, you know, me being uh, a Type 4 fan plus, you know, I love the German look, and I, I love the German look because it makes me think of the Autobahn, and there's nothing I think is cooler than you know, a Volkswagen doing a high speed run somewhere, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And with a type four catapulting that thing down the road, man. So I'm stoked to see you get this thing put together. Like I said, you sent me a ton of pictures and it really piqued my interest, which is why I picked the phone up to chat with you because there's a lot of cool stuff that you're doing. The only thing we haven't talked about with it that maybe before we wrap up, we'll chat about for a few minutes is ignition setup. What are you doing as far as ignition goes? Uh, the ignition, it's just a, a cam sink that, uh, that, that just goes down in the distributor hole and it's part of his package as well. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's tied in with the crank trigger and the, and the, the throttle bodies and everything. Uh, I told you about the addition that I'm hoping for, uh, with, with the adjustable length, uh, uh, air horn. Uh, it, it's all gonna run off the same system. So you're saying the adjustable air horns, which will control the velocity, it's like a, it's like an adjustable velocity stack, essentially. Yeah, so I have to go make a bunch of dyno pulls, see where, uh, what what links work best uh, at what RPM, mm -hmm. and then we can input those. He can do it, he can help me from where he is uh, onto my laptop, as long as we're connected, and he can set the parameters so that, yeah, the uh, it'll start tall and as the engine revs up it'll shorten down uh, and it'll be controlled by another motor just like the, the throttles are nice that's uh i mean that's th those are all super interesting uh, super interesting modifications to be doing to a car that are really i mean it's it's putting you know 21st century technology into a into the vw pancake setup or the boxer motor setup and just see how you know how it all comes out how all that math works out in the end i mean i'm excited to see it man so uh i'm really looking forward to it, it so before we wrap up does anybody you wanted to give a shout out to or thank for some of their help along the way because it's really definitely not a it's not something that's super easy to do what you're doing and, and you can't do it just figuring stuff out on your own it really takes 
uh, a, a village in a sense to use the cliche, but I think it really takes a lot of people. And, and where are you going to network with these people? Definitely. It takes a lot of people. Uh, I didn't even realize how many people it takes. I hope I don't miss anybody. Thomas Simpson, Shag Leone, uh, Johannes Pearson, uh, Todd Morton, uh, every, all of my friends in Snapchat, <laughs> like Wally and, and, uh, and John, um, uh, who, who else? Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many people to help me. Uh, Philip Drew, um, yeah, yeah, every, I, almost all of my friends, they seem to have some kind of input on this. A lot of drag racing influence. Pat Downs helped me a lot. Uh, he gave me a lot of tips. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I hope I didn't miss anybody. Um, even the guys at Rimmel, yeah, just, just for supplying me the heads, they supplied me a great head, so. Uh, oh, Jorge Rodriguez, uh, from European Motorworks. He's, he's, I'm pretty sure you heard of him, like a big yeah. type four person. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's helping me with all the machining. Um, yeah, I couldn't do it without any one of, like, yeah, w- w- without all of their help. Well, I, man, I appreciate getting you on here and, and definitely, uh, I'm into what you're doing. I think it's rad. Uh, I'd love to see guys out there in the scene that are, that are trying to push the envelope from their own uh their own concepts of where they want to go i mean you know we a lot of us do that and you know i i've definitely taken that liberty with some of the cars that i've built and uh you know everything everything i start out with when i'm building a car for me is in my head the concept of what it's going to look like when it's finished and it's not only just going to be looks but it's also going to tie in with the performance as well and i have a tendency to be a little bit of a german look lover you know what I mean? Like I just, I, I love the look of a fast, sleek Volkswagen that looks like it's uh, ready for business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, man, I, you know, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, we'll for sure follow up with this once you get the motor and everything put together. And I definitely want to, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a podcast follow up as soon as you got this thing put together and we'll get a report on how everything's turned out and get some dyno numbers and, and get some, maybe some, some real time performance figures out of the thing. Right on. Uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated as I progress. No, man. Hey, you know, it's been fun having you on just to talk about the process you've gone through to figure out all these little niche things to do to try to squeeze every ounce of possible power, especially out of the, the, the motor that the naysayers say can't make the big power, which is the type four. So I'm excited to see you prove a lot of people wrong and prove your philosophy right, you know? Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, cool, man. Tabari, I appreciate you coming on, and I look forward to meeting you, man. Sooner or later, one of these days, we're going to have a show in Southern California, and I'm going to leave my comfy home here in Vegas, and uh, I'll come down there, probably in the crew cab or maybe the uh, square back. Who knows? But I'll be down there, and uh, for sure, man, we'll link up, man, and uh, I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and you're first notified as soon as they come out because sometimes I throw in some sneaky peeks and some early releases. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and if you bought some gear, post up some pictures and tag us in it. We love our fans to support the podcast, and we're here to bring you more good VW content. So more shows on the way, guys. I appreciate the love and support. You guys are my dogs, and I can't wait for the show season to kick open so I can meet a lot of the listeners face-to-face. And until next week, guys, later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have a